Oh, hi. We are just, we are at, we are at the beginning of something very special. Uh, episode Talking Wild Madness, episode 24, is going to be a uh, podcast on The Irishman, the uh, the new Martin Scorsese film. And uh, there's, a, there's a bit of a hum in the background. That's the sound of the projector. And I am, uh, I'm, I'm set up. We're, we're, we're all, we're ready, we're set. And we're about to watch The Irishman. When I say we, it's just myself. I'm, I'm here. I've made a, a special occasion, a special day. Sorry, a special evening. Uh, there won't be any, there won't be any social media devices. There won't be any other humans. There is Wilco. He's, he's, uh, he's going to be hanging around. And uh, I'm about to watch The Irishman. I'm very, very excited. There, there are only two directors who I will actually go out of my way to either go to a to, to the to the movies. I was about to say to the films. Uh, I'll I'll go see a, a new Tarantino movie, and I'll go see a new Scorsese movie. Oh, actually, and I'll go see a new Coen Brothers movie. Uh, and and although I didn't go see. Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I missed that one. But I did go and see Buster Scruggs, and that was absolute insanity. And I uh, I actually I made the terrible, terrible mistake of, uh, of smoking marijuana before I watched The Ballad of Buster Scruggs. And my Lord, the top of my head nearly flew off multiple times throughout that that screening i actually felt like grabbing my throat and strangling myself at one point through that movie it was so insane so uh we're not doing that <laughs> we're not doing that in in the uh, in the spirit of what i think is going to be a, a 1950s kind of noir period film uh I, i've poured myself a drop of uh a drop of whiskey and some uh, uh and some and some beer to 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 chase it down uh, this I've just seen. I just pulled this up, and it's three and a half hours long. So this is not only for me, uh, like a cultural. Uh, I don't think epoch's the right word, but it, this is a this is a moment. This is a very important, special moment, and I, and I may be building it up too much. That's always a possibility. Uh, I should actually mention the only Tarantino movie I've enjoyed over the last few years was the. Uh, the one in that was set in World War Two, I have to say I didn't care for Django that much, and I I I don't even I'm not like a super fan, so so please please don't get me wrong, I'm not I'm not a super fan. My my cousin when I was twelve brought me to see Reservoir Dogs in Dublin at the at the movies, and uh, I think I think I'm still reeling from the trauma of watching Reservoir Dogs as a 12-year-old in, uh, in, in, in Ireland. I, th I think Reservoir Dogs was, was brilliant. I think Pulp Fiction, I think Pulp Fiction was very good, but there was ultimately nothing there. It was, it was very, it was like a very good surface film and there was very little inside it. Uh, I thought Jackie Brown was very good. I didn't think Django was very good. But I do remember going to see, uh, fuck, I can't remember the name of the World War Two movie. What is the name of that movie? Inglorious Bastards. And I went to see Inglorious Bastards in Midland. And I went to the late screening 
this is when it came out originally. And I went to the late screening and I smuggled in some red wine. And I remember the red wine fell out of my jacket uh, on, onto the floor as I passed the uh, as the ticket guy. But it was all cool. It was Midland and it was a late session and we it was, yeah, it was just ready to go. But I do remember watching Glorious Bastards thinking, especially when he had he had these moments where he would freeze the film and then from memory there were like uh text would flash up on the screen and then there'd be an electric guitar sound would come over the soundtrack and i'd never seen that before and and well you know all 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 period particularly world war ii period films they're filled with um the the iconography can I can I use that word? I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go ahead and use that word. They're filled with the iconography of that time and that period, you know, right down to the soundtrack. You'd have you'd have Edith Piaf tunes if the if the if the guys were in uh, France. Um, you, you'd have Tommy Dorsey if the guys were uh, on the docks about to leave New York in the ship, and they'd be smoking soft packs of Lucky Strikes, and they'd all have terrible haircuts and. Uh, and then I just thought, man, he's after just flashing up some title text to introduce a character and has put in a, uh, a an electric guitar sound. And I think the, the final piece at the end had a David Bowie song, Putting Out Fires with Gasoline. And I just remember thinking, man, this guy, whether you whether you like him or you don't, and I think he's made some really amazing films, and I think he's made some really awful films at the same time. But I just remember thinking Tarantino is is probably one of the freest artists that I've ever seen, that I've ever, ever encountered. Uh, he literally was just doing... There didn't seem to be that much self, uh, self-editing uh, in his films. And I, I remember not being envious in a. I was in admiration. I wasn't. I wasn't in a state of envy. I was in a state of admiration. Uh, and I thought, yeah, that's 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 clearly the way. It's clearly the way to do things, uh, as freely as possible and uh, with as much passion as possible. So, I'm a bit giddy. I'm a bit excited, and I really hope I haven't built this up, the Irishman up too much. Uh, but I'm very, very excited, and I'll check back in in three and a half hours uh, with some with some thoughts about about this, whatever this is. It it may be a masterpiece, it may be a nightmare, it may who knows. It might be so good I want to watch it again straight away, yeah, and in which case I'll I'll see you in in seven hours. Um, okay, so here we are. Talking Wild Madness, this is uh, episode 24, and this is part one, and it is, I suppose this is the first of the series, of Talking Wild Movies, so uh, so there we go, We're, we have a new, uh, we have a new, new series, uh, a new feather, a new feather in the, in the podcast cap, alright, uh, we'll see you on the other side of Martin Scorsese's The Irishman. Okay, uh, welcome back to the second part of episode 
24, uh, which is, is tentatively called Talking Wild Movies. Uh, I, I, this is actually the next day. It's, 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 uh, it's not three and a half hours later, as, as, I, as I promised. I needed, uh, I needed some time. I really ne- needed some time with this film, The Irishman. And uh, so I've, I'm now, it's now about 10.30. I'm on the balcony. The, uh, the very first episode of the podcast was from the porch downstairs, but we're, uh, we're on the balcony today, and it is, my gosh, it is a glorious day. Uh, it is an absolute glorious day up here. So, The Irishman, where to even begin with this, with this, with this thing, this three and a half hour thing. I think my uh, my very short three word review for, for for the Irishman would be this movie stinks. It is. It, I I didn't even I wasn't even sure what I was watching. I wasn't even. It was like I had to check myself. I was like maybe. Maybe there's two Irishmen. Maybe this this can't be Martin Scorsese. This can't be Martin Scorsese. This can't be the guy who made Goodfellas and Casino and and Raging Bull. It, it's impossible. Shutter Island. What else did he make? Oh my lord! He made so many great films. Taxi Driver. The man made Taxi Driver. The dogs, the dogs are are going off next door. I, I, I don't think I've ever been in such a, a baffled state with regard to, with regard to a film. It was so peculiar. The, if, if I was just reviewing this as a as a normal film and not as as a like a milestone cultural phenomenon. You know, the Al Pacino and Robert De Niro and Joe Pesci were getting back together to make a movie with Martin Scorsese. Like, besides all of that, I would simply say that, that this this terrible film, this terrible, long, drawn-out, uh, children's pantomime-looking thing it was just miscast. was just completely miscast. And for some reason... For some reason, they thought that this looked okay. This whole film looked like it was shot on an iPhone, like an early iPhone. I don't even have an iPhone, but I imagine that this is what it looks like. It, it, the first episode of Hill Street Blues looked more realistic than this movie, than, than The Irishman that I was watching. Martin Scorsese made The Departed. He made The Departed. What the fuck was this? There might be some swearing. There might be some swearing in this podcast. This because this was just. I wasn't sure maybe if it was a comedy. And maybe, maybe we're watching. I had a I had a lot of different thoughts going through my head, and one of them was maybe this is too sophisticated for me. Maybe this movie is just on a completely different level and I'm and I'm not able to see over the ledge to take it in and I'm watching it 
I'm watching it incorrectly. I'm, I'm watching it wrong. You know, I'm like, uh, I, I'm like a dog listening to, to Mozart. I can't make sense of it. And, and because I can't make any sense of it, then I think it's, it's no good. That's how much, that's how much faith I have in Martin Scorsese is that this is my fault. The reason that The Irishman is a terrible movie, and my God, it is a fucking disgrace of a film. It is an abortion of a movie. But the reason it's so bad, maybe it's my fault. Maybe maybe it's actually my fault. Because be, I mean, there's no other way. There's no other way that they could fuck this up so bad. I, I'm watching Robert De Niro at the beginning of this movie... Everyone looks fat. Everyone looks bloated and stretched out. Everyone looks tight and, and, and just in terrible shape. Like, everyone looks in terrible shape. And, and if you look at movies in the, from the 50s, or you just look at pictures from the 50s, everyone's skinny. Everyone's thin. Everyone's gaunt and a little bit hungry. But in this movie, every, literally, every, I don't think there's a thin person in this film. And I'm not being a, a thinnest or a fattest or whatever or a bloatest or whatever the phrase is. But it just, it looked like, it looked like it was, you'd stumble into a millionaire's playground and everyone was pretending that they hadn't aged. Everyone was pretending they hadn't aged. And because everyone was so old, everyone was happy to play along. Robert De Niro opens the back of a meat truck. Oh, by the way, obviously there's going to be spoilers here. But I tell you, a true spoiler would be sitting down and watching this fucking movie for three and a half hours. That would be that would be a true spoiler. That would that would spoil three and a half hours of your life. So in a, in a sense, these spoilers are anti-spoilers. These are savers. These are these are going to save you. You know, you can you can you can spend three and a half hours. You you could write you could start writing your screenplay you always wanted to write, or you could do that weeding on the edge of the uh, on the edge of the vegetable garden that you planted a few weeks ago, that have that have cropped up around your tomato plants. Or you can do whatever you can scrub the bottom you can scrub the mold off your shower, rather than rather than sit and watch this, this monstrosity. Alpha, what, who the, what ha happened to Al Pacino? What happened to Al Pacino? He comes across in this movie, and he's playing Jimmy Hoffa. Like Jimmy Hoffa is one of the icons of the 20th century of American, of American history, American political history, American Union history, and he's playing him. He he's like, he's like the villain that he played in that Dick Tracy movie back in the, way back in the day. I can't remember what the, what the guy's name was. He was like a cartoon. He he was about, he, I think he's five foot three. And he has this ridiculous wig on, and it's clearly a wig. It's clearly a wig. It's as if, I don't know if this movie was a test of suspension of disbelief. Maybe that's, maybe that's what, maybe this is like a meta film. Maybe this is Scorsese saying, I'm going to see how far I can push, push this. I'm going to see how far I can get 
these people to suspend their disbelief. Well, how about spending a little bit of money on the wig master on the movie? Because Robert De Niro has a wig on. Harvey Keitel clearly has a wig on. Joe Pesci has a wig on. And there's one... Okay, there's a scene where Robert De Niro opens the back of the meat truck and the meat truck is empty and it's supposed to be full of meat. And he's in on it. He's stolen the meat. And he has this prosthetic chin on. And I don't know if the prosthetic chin is computer a computer prosthetic chin or if it is an actual bit of rubber that they've stuck on his chin he looks like uh he looks like jim carrey from from uh i think it when he was the rhode island police me myself and irene he he looks like he's he should be in an ad for uh that mr muscle the the kitchen spray like he he just looks like a cartoon. He looks like, he doesn't look even human. He looks like a caricature of, a, I don't even, I really, and then in the next, the next scene, the, the, the prosthetic chin is gone. And it's the same era. He doesn't have the, he doesn't have the, the, the chin anymore. And then Ray Romano shows up. Ray Romano's in this movie. And in fairness to Ray, in fairness to Ray Romano, I should call him Mr. Romano because I don't know, I don't know, me and Ray are not, uh, are not tight. His performance in the movie is probably, is probably one of the more authentic. He actually looks like a human. And for the, because so much of this film, I don't know how old Robert De Niro is. He must be in his 70s. He must be in his 70s. Al Pacino looks like he might be in his late 70s and Joe Pesci looks like he might be 170 years old Joe when Joe Pesci first turns up he looks like the guy from uh, up he looks like Mr. Fredrickson from up he looks like a, a, he looks silly he looks he looks like a cartoon character he's got the big glasses he's got skin like melting leather and he's supposed to be He's supposed he's supposed to be one of the big the big shots in in, in in this movie. And it's just one scene after after the next. Once and I think I don't know. I don't know. I think I don't think you can follow something like, say, the Sopranos with this. Where it's just hyper realism all the way through. Or at least most of the way through, except when they had, except when Tony Soprano went into his dream sequences, and was riding a horse through his lounge room and, and picking up bullets that were made of shit in his high school gymnasium. I don't think you can. I, I think I don't think you can follow, something like The Sopranos with. Well, maybe that's the problem. Maybe you can't follow anything. Maybe you can't follow The Sopranos with anything. But certainly not with this. This sh- ramshackle. Sham, there was like they had a what what they did in the Sopranos. They took they took actors who had very small roles in classic uh, gangster films. So they took uh, they took Paulie Walnuts, who who uh, who had a very very small part in Goodfellas, 
and they took these small, authentic actors and they gave them big parts in The Sopranos. And in this movie, and Paulie Walnuts, that's just one example. There's, there's loads of characters in in The Sopranos who, and everybody, I think everybody knows this, that have that come from, uh, you know, gangster movie uh, royalty. Uh, and what they've done here is that they've taken a lot of the actors from The Sopranos and then they've given them small roles. So, like, Beansy shows up from The Sopranos. He's in this. And like everyone else, he's another 20, 30 years old than the last time you've seen him. The guy who, who uh, hung himself, who wanted to move down to Florida in The Sopranos, who wanted to be like Joey Bananas or something, and he ended up hanging himself in his garage. He's in this. But in The Sopranos, he was, you know, a somewhat handsome, slim, young-ish man. And in this movie, he's, he's probably 130 kilos in weight, and he's 20 years older. Silvio Dante, he turns up, he's a, he's a, He's one of the singers in, in one of the uh, in, in one part of the show. It's as if every if you had to get cast in this movie, you had to be uh, you had to be at least you you had to at least be eligible to apply for for uh, for the pension. And again, I'm not being ageist. I think Rob, the best bit of this film that Robert De Niro was in is when he's in the nursing home and he's just talking. Because he looks like a human being. Half of this movie looks like uh, cutscenes from Grand Theft Auto. It, it's the most awkward-looking, computer-generated. Just it just looks very weird. There's one scene outside the grocery store where Robert De Niro takes some revenge on a, a, a grocer who pushed his daughter, his ten-year-old daughter. I'm surprised they didn't get fucking Helen Mirren or Judy Dench to play the 10-year-old daughter. The, the, way, the way the rest of this thing was cast, I'm surprised they didn't have an octogenarian actor and somehow put her in a, in a 12-year-old dress and, and try and make that believable. But they've got Robert De Niro, and it is... It's, it's, un, it's unforgivable, this scene that they, that they show. Because what, what you have is you have a nearly 80-year-old Robert De Niro with a CGI face that makes him kind of look, makes him kind of look like a younger man. But they, obviously, they didn't bother, they didn't bother changing Robert De Niro's body. They, they just, so you've got this really obviously old man walking with a, with a small, with a, with a face that, that is supposed to be, say, 40 years old. And then he attacks the grocer. And it looks like an 80-year-old man trying to beat up a man. It looks... It has all the intensity of a, like a, a blocking rehearsal that they might have done at the beginning of the, sh of the, beginning of the shooting. It, it looks so ridiculous. It doesn't even nearly, nearly look authentic. And I, I was just thinking, what am, what am I, what am I watching here? What is this? What is going on? Jimmy Hoffa's wife 
is the girl who had to go and get the hat in Goodfellas, who was who was helping Ray Liotta cut up all the cocaine. She turns up, and she's thirty years older. She's thirty years older as well, and she's playing. I think Jimmy Hoffa died when he was in his fifties. I didn't, you know, I don't think Jimmy. But there's there's Al Pacino looking, looking so old, so ridiculously old. And he's married to a, a woman who's in her sixties. It, it it was just it was very 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 confusing. And there's no there was no humor. There was almost it was almost devoid of humor. Like I, I mean I was watching. I was like an hour in. And I I started to think maybe I'm I'm watching this on the wrong like ratio. Maybe maybe I've stretched the screen to a TV show and it should be a it should be a cinemascope or something like that. And then I thought to myself, shit, man, you're not in this movie here, are you? If you're thinking about the ratio that you're watching it in. So I don't know what happened. I don't know what happened out there. It, it looked, the whole movie looked like a very long, like, uh, skit from Saturday Night Live, where everyone was just wearing cheap prosthetics and you weren't really supposed to, you weren't really supposed to believe it. It was supposed to be a bit of a comedy, except there was no comedy in it. Maybe, yeah, and again, maybe it was an anti-comedy comedy maybe it was a meta anti meta comedy comedy there there are moments where, where an al pacino's looks like he's just forgetting his lines and then he remembers them and then he just says he just says the second half of the sentence but not how he begun the first bit of the sentence robert de niro does the same thing in the nursing home when he's telling that he had this nice thing where it, it was his voiceover and then he's he he slid into the voiceover and he was on screen as as looking like the 70 80 year old man that he is but he did the same thing he uh he just he seemed to just forget what he was talking about and then they just left it in and then he kind of just picked picked it back up you know half a second later a second later but then he just said the words it was as if he forgot and then Maybe they thought this is authentic because an old man would forget. I don't know, man. This movie made me wish I was a, a, a really, really old man with dementia and I'd, and I'd forget about the movie. And I swear there was about seven times when different actors looked into the camera. Yeah. Maybe it's a play on, like, The Irishman. Maybe, maybe it's like the Irish jokes, like the backwards jokes. And I don't mind Irish jokes at all. I don't mind Irish jokes because they're jokes about Irish people and Irish people are fucking awesome. So they're anti-jokes, so that's okay. So maybe that's what it was. Maybe they thought, maybe that, maybe that's what it is. Maybe, maybe this whole movie is, is, a, is, a, is an Irish joke. And we're going to get some of the best actors in the world and some of the best directors, well, not some of the best directors, one of the greatest directors of all time. And we're going to make a shit movie. We're going to, we're going to cast 70, 80-year-old men and women into 30, 40-year-old bodies. There's one scene where Robert De Niro is sitting in a sauna and he's supposed to be 40 years old. And he's supposed, or he might even supposed to be 30 years old. And he's in a sauna with his shirt off. And again, his body looks 107. He's got it all, he has a clearly got 
a terrible old man's body. And they just leave it in. They just leave it in. I don't understand why they didn't use old Robert De Niro for the old Robert De Niro scenes and then cast some, there must be thousands of hungry young Italian-American actors out there. There must be, I would even say there might even be 10,000 Italian-American actors who look a little bit like Robert De Niro, who they could have cast. And then have Robert De Niro, have old Robert De Niro being old Robert De Niro and get some young, handsome, you know, intense stud Italian-American to play the other scenes. So when he's kicking the kicking the hell out of the grocer, it looks like the grocer's getting, oh, this, this, this was, this was a mind-boggling experience, this really was, this, this was, and geez, if, if that's Al Pacino now, by the way, if this isn't, if this whole film is not a, a meta-comedy, anti-film joke that I can't get, if this is Al Pacino now, he needs to hang hang up the uh, hang up the masks. He's done. He is done. He he was he reminded he he reminded me of my old uncle Michael. God rest Uncle Michael's soul. Uncle Michael is as dead as Al Pacino's acting skills at the moment. But yeah, if this is if this is if this is smiling Al, if this is fucking Serpico now brother it is it is time it is time brother go and go and enjoy your grandkids as they said in the movie my lord this was okay this this i'll tell you what this was like this was in the nba the the, the if you know the basketball the basketball league in america the best basketball league in the world every year they have the all-star game and they get 10 of the best players from the West, Western divisions, and they get 10 of the best players from the East division, and they have an all-star weekend. And, and they, so back in the day when I was watching basketball, you would have, uh, on the East Coast, you'd have Michael Jordan playing on the same team as Larry Bird and playing on the same team as Isaiah Thomas. Uh, you know, all, all the guys from that side of the country made up this incredible team. On the on the on the other side on the west coast, you'd have, you know, Magic Johnson playing with Hakeem Olajuwon, um, and Gary Payton from from Seattle. You know, you'd have that, and then they'd all come together, ten of the best, ten of their best, and they'd play, and it would be fun and it'd be amazing, and it, and it was the All Star Weekend, and then they'd have a three point shootout competition, and then they'd have a slam dunk competition, and then they'd have the Masters games. And that was they would bring back these old masters to play a game of basketball. So they'd bring back, if they were still alive, they'd bring back Bill Russell. They'd bring back Will Chamberlain. They'd bring back Bob Cousy. They'd bring back Jerry West. And they'd play a masters game, an old-timers game, a, a part of the All-Star Weekend. And you'd, it, it'd be, it'd, it would, it would be, obviously, it wouldn't be a highly competitive game. It was more of a, it was more of a light relief, a bit of respect to the, to the old guard. You know, it would be almost a comedy show. You know, is Bob Cousy going to pass it to Jerry West? Can Bob Cousy even see Jerry West at this stage? But it was like that. 
and that's what this that's what the Irishman reminded me of it it was taking it was taking the very best all-stars of 30 years ago and it was putting them it was putting them back in the NBA and it was it was they weren't they weren't saying that this is an old-timers game they were putting them in the playoffs for for the season they were putting them up against LeBron James today and it just it was like a horror movie it was actually like a horror movie and i again and i'd be happy to i'd be happy to come to a different realization in 5 years from now and watch this movie and think oh my lord i totally missed it i totally missed it i i really would but i don't think so This was one of the worst this was one of the worst things I've ever seen. I would say that this was nearly a horror a horror movie experience for me. This was ghastly. This this really this really was a, a ghastly experience. I, this 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 movie I won't say it made me sad because it was too bizarre. It it was too it was just too weird. It was too odd. Yeah. It was it was too odd.